0: Hallelujah. The Lord. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Know. Yeah. i was just testing it. So anyway, um yeah. See if we learned anything. I know I'm on now. So, um final instructions today. That's what we come to in Titus chapter 3. We close up this um study. Uh it's typical of Paul's letters that he finishes um With some parting admonitions and some very personal greetings, thus uh, the title Final Instructions, Um, it does uh, make me think of an older lady whose husband had passed away, and he was notoriously cheap except for his famous our favorite old red pickup truck, which he treated like a priceless treasure, and um, he did not tell her what to do with it when he passed. No final instructions there. Um, so she was trying to get ready for the funeral and everything, and she couldn't find any extra money because he had spent it all on the truck, and um, she learned that publishing the obituary itself was just, it was going to cost $200. And so she thought a moment, and um, in honor of her notoriously cheap husband um, in his memory, she had a master stroke. She um I realized that the paper allowed for free seven word classified ads, and so she told the paper to publish this Billy Bob died, red truck for sale. Um, So, you know, final instructions. Anyway, um, let's read our text for the day. How about that? Stand with me out of reverence and respect for the Word of God. Let's read Titus 3, verses 12 through 15. Titus 3, verse 12. Um, again, this is God speaking through Paul, Paul writing, When I send Artemis or Tachicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, um, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Um, do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. You may be seated. So we come to the final instructions. He's going to give us kind of a game plan. Um, For ministry both on the island of Crete But also I believe for uh, the greater region In which they were trying to labor and to spread the gospel Um, But a few big picture ideas before we break this down Um, First, most Bible historians would agree um, That Paul was either arrested on orders from Nero in Nicopolis um, Which is mentioned there in in verse 12 um, Or shortly before he arrived there to meet with Titus So we're getting close to the end Um, of Paul's personal ministry as we read these words. Um, That would be the imprisonment that led to his death. Um, Now, uh, most importantly, I I guess, for today's text, this section... Absolutely, in my opinion, and and most scholars would agree again, that it it proves Paul's authorship um, of this letter, that God used Paul to pen these words. Um, He mentions people, places, plans that are all very authentic to his ministry that only he would have known. Um, But the kind of details, again, that he would have personally referenced and the kinds of things that his companions uh, in ministry in in the uh, early church would have known um, was legitimately um, related to Paul and his work um, so they would have been able to prove that this was his letter um, to the churches as well finally uh, Nicopolis was a popular name in the first century there were multiple places under that name um, but most scholars would agree, again, that um, this Nicopolis was on the west coast of the Greek peninsula. If that kind of helps you know where we're at a little bit. Uh, a part of a broader region referred to as Dalmatia during that time. We'll see that, um, that region's name here in a bit. It's about 200 miles northwest of modern Athens. Um, that location fits the travel plans mentioned here. And it fits where we believe Paul was targeting for ministry. Um, post the Acts record that we've studied previously and and prior to his final arrest. Now, again, most of that is kind of non-essential information in order to understand this text, but I I think it's worth knowing. Now, we break down the parting game plan that Paul shares with Titus um, for the church at Crete and its congregation. Um, He talks about for the ministry uh, the game plan here. Verse 12, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Um, now, you've got to understand the simplicity of what we're, we're reading. Um, he's obviously wanting... Um, Titus to exchange places with Artemis or Takaikis and we'll see which one that is here in a bit I believe but um, that's the simple game plan there's going to be a switch of leadership Um, and from the beginning of Paul's strategy I think we have to admit what we see we see an emphasis on people Uh, he does not um, present to us the latest stratagem for global missions he does not hold a conference and talked about you know six practical steps he doesn't have the newest book that he wants them to read and I, I know that's how our culture seems to be, but he always talks about people, and I think that's important. Um, Due to his apostolic authority, Paul was the key strategist for the the missions work and the church planning efforts of the early church, Um, but he was always more focused on people than plans, and I think we need to learn from that. Um, 2 Timothy gives us another great example of Paul's parting words and his methodology and his personal touch. Um, 2 Timothy 4, verses 9-14. through To do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, not everybody worked out, by the way. There was still drama. Um, Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Um, there's that um, region mentioned already. Um, Luke alone is with me. Um, get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Ticaicus, um, who we've already seen reference this morning in Titus. Takaikas I have sent to Ephesus. Um, just so you're following along, this tells us that um, in this text, Artemis is the one that goes to Crete to replace Titus because Tacitus winds up going to Ephesus. Um, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Yes, today you might argue that the world is is bigger, um, the needs even greater than the first century, um, but things still only get accomplished person by person. Uh, It's amazing to me how Paul always talks about people. Um, God could have advanced his mission and, and the message of the gospel then and now through any number of means, and I know we have technology they didn't have and all those things, but it's still kind of interesting that God chooses to focus on people, Uh, and so we would be wise, I think, to imitate Paul's example. It's one of the reasons why um, we as a church have always tried to have personal connections on on our mission trips and our church planning efforts, and uh, we try to have IMB partners on the ground. Um, You know, there's lots of good ministries out there, um, but the reality is Paul always chose to partner with people who believed what he believed, were known to him, that he had a kinship with, he had a relationship with, that he could love and trust and mutually support. And I believe that's our model. Um, that's what we try to follow. Uh, again, there's lots of good ministries out there that you can partner with, but as a church, we try to stay within SBC lines for the most part, and and people, again, that we have mutual affinity with and like-minded approach to ministry with. And so, with that said, and with the second Timothy passage in mind again, we see some crucial connections here. Um, Titus goes to Dalmatia. Um, And we believe that occurs after this uh, morning's text. Um, was written. Uh, so again, the simple conclusion by reading the two texts is that Titus does he leaves Crete after receiving this letter as a- advised by Paul. Um, he's either en route to Paul and traveling through Greater Dalmatia, or he's already met with Paul uh, in that Second Timothy passage and and moved on to his next ministry assignment. Um, to who is mentioned here in Titus three twelve, is now in Ephesus. Um, uh, likely replacing Timothy there as the leader of, of that church movement. Um, so again, most scholars would come to the conclusion that Paul decided to replace Titus on the island of Crete with Artemis as the chief uh, pastor and leader uh, of the churches there in Crete. Uh, Artemis is not mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament, um, but clearly he's a trusted leader in Paul's ministry circles. Um, Tychicus um, from what we understand, is an Asian who accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey, um, as recorded in Acts chapter twenty. He appears in the book of Ephesians, uh, Colossians, and Second Timothy that we just read a bit ago. Um, here's a description of him in Ephesians six. Um so that you may know how I am and what I am doing uh, to Kikis, the the beloved um, brother, um, <laughs> And faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. And I'm just processing. Can you imagine what it would mean to have the Apostle Paul write that about you? Beloved brother in faithful ministry, and the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Um, I think Tychicus was a good and godly man, and Paul trusted him very, very much. Now, uh, let's not miss the point of our Titus passage today, though, with all this history lesson. Paul is clearly emphasizing fellowship, cooperation, and good strategy here. I think we have to see that. He, he wasn't a lone ranger, and neither were the early churches and, and their pastors. He had established a cooperative network of pastors and leaders, and he moved them around um, as directed by the Lord and as needed. Um, they all worked together. They all believed in each other, and they all cooperated. And we have to assume as well that they all had different skill sets. They all had different gifts and, and passions and, and, and leadership profiles. And And so Titus, we know, was sent... Um, to the island of Crete when there was an abundance of false teachers there there needed to be conflict there needed to be a purifying there needed to be church discipline and so he went there and did that and laid a strong foundation for the churches there and then with that done Paul sent him somewhere else he was kind of like a a fireman in in the ministry and Paul sends him a replacement moves Titus on to another appointment Um, Artemis was most likely more of a shepherd, less confrontational, um, which is what the circumstances called for on the island of Crete going forward. Um, when Paul wrote uh, there in verse 12, when I, I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, uh, the you there was plural. Um, there's no doubt he means to send one of them to the greater church um, at Crete. And, and friends, again, all of this, I, I believe, is just a picture to us how God still works today different churches different roles demand different types of men and so God moves folks around and and we're to cooperate and and find our right niche and and we're to be obedient Um, so let me ask you it's not just pastors and, and preachers I believe it's church members what's your role Um, How has God gifted you? What's your niche? What are your strengths? Where can you best serve? Um, This pattern certainly applies to all of us as believers in Christ and as members of the body. And God's emphasis on people is always the pattern. Um, It's not um, plans, it's not principles, it's not patterns, it's people. And we have to focus on that. Isaiah 6, 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And I believe that's the right attitude for every every member of the church. There's a niche um, for everybody. And the reality is God's mission doesn't get fully done unless every member is pitching in. And remember the overall context of the book of Titus. We all need to be pursuing good works. I think that fits um, with Paul's game plan for ministry. Now, we continue, though, with the game plan, not just on Crete, um, but broader. Uh, I believe next he talks about the mission itself. And by mission, I mean the the global evangelization and discipleship of Europe, which is what Paul felt responsible for. Um, He says this in verse 13, Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and and Apollos on their way. Um, See that they lack nothing. Now, we get two more names and another education and mission strategy. Um, first, the, the men that are mentioned, that's Zenus, not Zena. I don't know. I think Zena was on TV. Nobody knows that reference. Anyway, um, just don't want anybody confused. You know, Don't blur modern tech TV with Paul. But um, the best of uh, speed, Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. Zenos appears nowhere else in the New Testament. His name is Greek, um, so we're probably safe in assuming that he was a a lawyer in Roman civil matters rather than a converted Jewish scholar, Um, but we can't be entirely confident. Um, Either way, though, um, he had a unique background, and he would have had value as a missionary um, for the early church. Um, Apollos, of course is a bit famous among the early church, one of the better known of the names that we see today. Um, He appears in Acts multiple times. He also appears in 1 Corinthians at length. um, And he appears to have, I think, unfortunately, not necessarily because of anything he did, as recorded in Scripture, but he created kind of a loyal following um, in the church at Corinth. He was, I believe, a a powerful orator, um, had a strong personality, um, and he had a following. 1 Corinthians 1, um, For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And um, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, um, or I follow Christ. And, and again, Paul's rebuking them in this text. Is, is Christ divided? Was, was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know, the point there, again, is we may emphasize people, and I believe God uses people, but the kingdom's bigger than one person, one man, one individual. The church is bigger than one, one man, one woman, one individual. Uh, it's, we're the bride of Christ. We're serving him and his purpose, and we never need to get so enamored with a person that we lose sight of the mission. And that's what was happening at Corinth, and so Paul rebuked them. It, it's just a great reminder that the work and the glory has to be the Lord's. Um, So again, even though we focus on people as our core strategy, uh, the people have to remain interchangeable. Uh, They're tools for Christ's kingdom, and that's the emphasis here. Uh, Any fair reading of this text and of all the corresponding letters of Paul um, would lead one to conclude that Zenos and Apollo... Uh, Apollos were on a mission trip um, here at, at Paul's request as a part of his strategy for the advancement of the gospel. They were passing through Crete. Um, perhaps they assisted the churches there for a season, um, but now they're moving on. Uh, and so it's clear that Paul expects the churches there. It's not just Titus, um, of course. The church is there to assist them in, in their work. That's what he means by do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. If, if they need passage on a ship, pay for it. If, if If they need um, food in their backpacks, give them food. Um, See that they lack nothing in in the way of materials, I believe. Financially, materially support them. Uh, There are numerous other examples of such support in Paul's letters or or mission accounts. He's not afraid um, to mention giving um, and and mutual support in in any of his texts. Acts 15.3, so being sent on their way by the church same principle. Uh, They passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles uh, and brought great joy to all the brothers. Romans 15, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey by the, uh, by you. I, I believe that's implying financial material support um, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. It's one church helping another um, in need. Um, for Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Um, 1 Corinthians 16:6. 6, perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Same Principle of support from the local churches. Um, Third John five through eight, a little bit longer passage, but so clear. Says beloved, it's, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, and therefore we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. There's a lot more such texts in the New Testament, which kind of makes it a problem when people say, well, I don't like a church that mentions money. Uh, You can't read the New Testament without mentioning money. Um, Jesus actually mentioned money an awful lot, by the way. Um, And and it was Paul's model to exhort churches to give and to be a part of, of kingdom things. And so, again, when it comes to the tithe and the local church, if the church is doing what the church should be doing, you should be giving as you should be giving. Uh, again, I admit there can be issues, there can be problems. There are, um, you know, when a pastor uh, begins to build his own portfolio and, and, and um, is raising money to buy, a, you know, a new boat or a new, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to talk about anybody, but, you know, those kinds of things are out of bounds. That's not what we're talking about. Paul was always on mission. If, if our budget is reflective of kingdom values, then there should be no hesitation from pastors and leadership to exhort the church to give to that budget shouldn't make anybody nervous shouldn't cause anybody to be angry okay and, and the same thing's true when we exhort uh, our congregation to, to give money Yeah, you know, i'm wearing a north american mission board because well my wife stole my rba shirt but anyway um you know <laughs> north american mission board we support that um just as we encourage you to support rba but we also support the imb these are valid things to give money to because they're helping reach people with the gospel and Paul wasn't hesitant to ask. And so I don't think we should be hesitant to ask. Now we need to do it, I believe, with clarity and without manipulation and and any of those things. But it's just what Paul expected um, the churches to be doing. Um, and I believe the model still works today. Yes, we pool our money cooperatively, um, and it works beautifully. But we must also always start in those endeavors Um with personal relationships and people who are like minded. Again, it doesn't mean that God's kingdom's not bigger than the SBC. Please hear me when I say that. There are lots of good ministries and and churches and things happening around the globe that have nothing to do with the Southern Baptist Convention. We're not the only way that God moves. But the reality is, I have a difficult time. In fact, I don't feel good about it at all, encouraging you to give through our church to other ministries that, that we can't tell you for sure what they believe and how they operate and what their gospel looks like. Okay? So we tend to stay very careful uh, about who we encourage you to partner with simply because we want to build a vouch for them. We can't help everyone, um, so we've chosen to help and partner uh, those that we have a personal relationship with. And as Paul does, he calls people to help Apollos and Zenos and, and, and Artemis and Tikaikis. Um He knew them. He believed in them. They did ministry with him, and those were the people that he encouraged the church to help. And so Paul's uh, parting game plan stresses the pastoral leadership of the church and their cooperation with the leaders in their local area, but it also mandates their participation in the greater missions work around the region and even the globe. Uh, That's what he's saying. Uh, Help help Zenos and help Apollos. They're going elsewhere. They're leaving your community, and they're going to go out and take the gospel with them. Help them do that. You're responsible for what's happening at Crete, but you're also responsible for the greater movement. It's just simple um, but strategic takeaways from a very obvious text, I believe, that still applies to missions today. But it's not all. Uh, Last, we come to uh, the game plan, not just for the ministry or or the greater mission, but for the members um, in Crete, verse 14. And let our people... Again, it's written to uh, the churches on Crete. That's what he means by our people. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Now, I I would agree that in context of the overall book, um, Paul covers a lot of ground with what he calls good works, Um, reaching the community, um, helping people, missions work, all that. But in context of verse 14, I, I believe it's hard to argue that he's not tying good works to supporting missionaries let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need well he's just said "Um, do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way see that they lack nothing and then he says and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as um, to help cases of urgent need and, and not be unfruitful I believe he's talking about ministry support again it can be broader than that but the context is missions And so, uh, even though he's returning to the overall core uh, of the book, which is good works um, by each and every church member, I think he's drilling down a bit deeper. And he's saying, yes, as members of the local church, Russellville, Arkansas, um, as we could apply it, you're to pray for and support your pastor. But you're also to pray for and support other pastors and other churches and other missionaries. Um, Most importantly, each and every church member should be engaged in good works, uh, and that sure covers uh, a lot of ground, starting with missions, but moving outward, spiritual fruit. Paul writes here, and let our people, and again, we have to understand that he's talking about the, um, the members of the churches across the island of Crete. Um, literally, it means those that are ours, uh, meaning those who are members of the body of Christ um, near and far who had come to Jesus under the ministry of, of Paul and then Titus and the other pastors that he had appointed there. Let our people devote themselves to good works. Um, and I, I hope we've had that challenge driven home as we've spent uh, eight weeks in this book. Um, you may remember Titus 1.16, they profess to know God but Him by their works. Um, they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. You don't want to be a part of that group. You want to be fit for any good work, right? Uh, Titus 2:7. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and, and dignity. Uh, Titus 2:14. Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Um, Titus 3.1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Um, Titus 3.8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. Um, That's the gospel that we talked about, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Good works. Good works. In context, again, in general, um, he's referring to the good works as an outflow of an understanding of the gospel, as evangelism, as discipleship, as missions. Now, it can be a lot more than that, and I believe it should be. We should be a city set on a hill. We should be a light in our community. There's lots of ways we can fulfill that mandate. Um, but he, he's saying good works should be a natural outflow of every single church member. The proof of biblical salvation and teaching in our lives should be. Good works in our lives. Period. In the Hellenistic culture, people did good works for for praise or to be paid back. You know, sort of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. But Christians should be doing good deeds as sacrificial service to others because of the love of Christ. Noble deeds are the fruit of the tree of salvation. Um, Colossians. One, nine, and ten. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in what? Every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I, I hope you're kind of familiar with that text, because that is the text that every time you have a birthday, I, I pray that text over you. Now, again, I always send you that card, and you send some of you send things in with special requests, but whether you send anything in or not, I'm praying this verse over every member of our church on their birthdays because, why? Because every member of the body of Christ should be engaged in... Good works, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. And I know this if our body is engaged in good works, it's a lot more valuable than if I'm the only one engaged in good works or just your pastor or just your staff or just a handful of people. It takes the whole body doing what God wants us to do to be effective for Christ. Uh, and so that's the challenge and that's the mandate. Paul uses the word devote. Um, You should devote yourselves to good works in verse 14, and I I believe it implies a very consistent pattern of behavior. It's not once, not once a year, not one time, um, but uh, continually. Uh, Otherwise, we're living unproductive lives, and we end up with nothing to show for all the blessings that God has showered down upon us. Uh, And and it all starts, I think, with this simple game plan that Paul has sketched out for us. Um, Support pastors. Um, for the ministry, um, that would mean um, even when they have to engage in church discipline, by the way, as this letter addresses, uh, support missionaries as they do work around the globe and do good work right where you are for the ministry, for the mission, for the members. Um, it's a simple game plan, and yet it still works beautifully. Anyone who wants to tell you they've got a new model for ministry in the 21st century, I would kind of argue with them. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, this model still works. Yes, there's stratagems and, and things we employ. Each community can be different. Um, each pastor has a different skill set. I, I get all that. I mean, people are different. We have to admit that. But this is a very simple strategy that is still timeless and is still effective and hasn't been approved upon uh, since the first century. Um, and it's biblical, John fifteen eight. By this, my Father, is glorified that you, you and I, that we bear much fruit and so prove to be His disciples. But we wrap up this study. Um, Paul gets even more personal in closing. Um, We see the greetings uh, at the beginning of verse 15. All who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. I think we can infer a couple of things here. Um, First of all, even though this letter was addressed to Titus, it's clear that Paul anticipated it being shared um, with the entire congregation. Uh, Thus he says, greet those who love us in the faith. Um, by implication I think that means other believers uh, on the island of Crete who had a like faith in Christ Um, but it would also probably I think assume that there had been a separation between the false teachers that um, Titus had been sent to confront and the rest of the faithful church Um, Paul has no time for those who are leading the church astray so greet those who love us in the faith don't worry about those that have been um, separated have been Uh, set aside, have been cast out, as he talked about earlier. Um, Now, there's also another element of encouragement here for Titus, I I think. Um, His job in Crete, uh, I don't think it was a picnic. Um, It was very likely painful, because he had to confront um, people who were connected to the church, who were teaching false doctrine, who had wrong motivations. Um, Confrontation and church uh, discipline are are not usually fun. Um, they can be pretty lonely, brutal undertakings, and so Paul reminds him that he's not alone. He says, all who are with me, that would be at the time uh, most likely Artemis, Apollos, Zenus, Takaikos, those people, all who are with me, send greetings to you. And it's just a reminder that he was in the midst of a brotherhood, that um, there was a network of, of pastors and missionaries who were working together to support and encourage one another now, there were no lone rangers so to speak um and, and he paul didn't name his companions but we've got to know that um if he does indeed and i sure believe he did he sends artemis um to crete to replace titus and well when artemis got there he knew these who these people were he was able to list for titus um, the people who had his back and were praying for him. Paul's loyal circle kept up with one another. Um, they all knew about the movements of the individual parts, and, and they loved and encouraged one another. And again, this should be our pattern. Um, love those who are also in the faith, serving the same Lord and Savior. Um, it, it's certainly a characteristic found in Paul's communication to all the early churches. Um, Philippians 4.21, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Um, He's saying, "I think very bluntly, we all love you, Titus, and we stand with you. You're not alone." Um, but we wrap up. Um, Paul has given his final instructions. Uh, now we read his last sentence to Titus, and, and the charges are the churches under his charge. Um, I believe it's supposed to resonate um, in any language, Greek or or anything else. Um, You know, we've talked about in Scripture the principle of first things. Um, There's certainly always a principle of last things. Well, what are Paul's last words? Well, he emphasizes grace. Grace be with you all. Um, And and again, we can read this like it's an accident. This is the inspired Word of God. Um, this is what God, um, through Paul, wanted to, to stand last. It's what he wants us to see last. Um, five words. Uh, excuse me, I missed. Yeah, it is five. Right, got to be able to count right. Um, grace be with you all. Okay? Um, they're significant words, though. They're not there by accident. And, and I, I think, again, Paul is striking this um, biblical balance um, with the, the, message, the overall message of the book, which has been you know, an emphasis on good works. Yeah, we've seen that. There's no doubt about that. But grace brings the balance. Um, for us to continue in good works without struggling with legalism um, We all need grace and, and now this is not a weakening of the call to good works he, He's not watering down that mandate um, But grace brings strength um, This is prayer for strength I, I think In the battle that was facing these churches In the battle that still faces us We need grace in order to stand In order to minister um, Grace and, and good works go together And if we have not first experienced the grace of God in our lives um, through salvation, uh, but also I I think on an ongoing basis, you you need to understand um, if, if you're saved and redeemed and you get up in the morning, you're forgiven. Um, You're fully accepted. You're beloved of God. You're His child. Um, You you need to have that kind of faith experience, and you need to live in it day in and day out in order to experience good works, I believe. And so all this, uh, these last five words, they start with an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, this book gives us some beautiful pictures of the gospel. Um, I hope you remember Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared. Jesus is the grace of God, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And hopefully, you remember. Titus 3 verses 4 through 7. We uh, stood and, and read that text multiple times. He says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, Again, that's Jesus Christ in the flesh. The grace of God took on flesh uh, to dwell among us. It says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus Christ appeared to bring us salvation. He died for our sins in order to save us from ourselves and our sin. He gave himself for us, not because of works that we've done, um, but according to his own mercy. That is the grace of God um, poured out for us. And it offers us not just saving grace, but also regeneration and, and renewal if we'll only accept the shed blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Grace be with you all well how do you experience that you have to have a personal relationship with jesus christ and yet i I believe the church today um, has stopped re-preaching that truth to itself it's it's not just the hope of eternal life once and, and then you put it on the shelf but it's the hope of eternal life each and every day it's what awakens us it's what courses through our veins it's what gives us energy to do good works and understanding that we're saved and redeemed and fully forgiven. And there's nothing we've done and nothing we can do to separate us from a loving God. That's the power of God that authors good work in our lives. Anything else is man-centered. Anything else is of the flesh. The grace of God is where the power resides. And it's where true good works generated. I think it's one of the ways... It's how Paul... It's how he trusted these people. Not because he had put together this collection of the best and the brightest. No, no, no. He had a collection of men who had yielded to the grace of God, and he believed in the power of God working through them. It really wasn't about them. It was about God in them. And that's the way it should still be today. So thus the parting words. Grace be with you all. If we're all walking in grace we've got all the resources we need to do whatever it is that god wants us to do in in ways that we can't even fathom Uh, you're you're in different workplaces and different schools and different things and, and yet god is with you and empowering you there as only he uniquely can paul was indeed the apostle of grace because he he knew god had shown him great grace remember paul We can say he just um, put Jews up for trial or Christian Jews up for trial to be executed. I'm not convinced he didn't throw some rocks himself himself, if we're being honest about it. He, He was a murderer in many, many ways, to make it blunt. And yet, he knew he was forgiven. He knew that God accepted him and forgave him and was using him. And so this almost all of his letters is his parting admonition for his fellow pastors missionaries and church members and I don't think there's a better admonition again it starts with do you personally know Jesus have you encountered his life changing grace Listen to what he says in Second Thessalonians 3. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness, and every letter of mine is the way I write. And some people say, well, you know, this must be talking about his script or how he wrote the, the Greek language or whatever it was. Maybe, okay, maybe. But in most cases, someone else was penning these letters for him at his dictation. So I really don't think it's about his handwriting. I think it's about the last sentence. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I think Paul's saying, anybody who knows me knows that this is how I close every single letter that God has has used me to write. Grace. It's all about grace. This was his prayer for the full experience of God's gracious and loving presence in the lives of those reading his words and all that experience entails. So let me ask you, church, are you experiencing that fullness today? As our musicians come this morning, I mean that sincerely. One do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? But if you do, have you disconnected somehow from His grace, or are you under the bondage of, of legalism or, or some sort of sin that you won't let go of? It starts with salvation in Christ, and then it continues with a daily surrender to His will, study of His word, a submission to His spirit, a, a turning from sin. A pursuit of good works, cooperative efforts, and like minded churches, supportive missionaries, obedience to God, but ultimately grace. Grace be with you all. Let's stand.